When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. I am Sunny, and of course, I am here with my co-host. What's up, dude? Yo, what's up, peoples? Of course, we have Caleb. Before we get too far in, let's go ahead and give a huge shout-out to all of our patrons. So, a huge thank you to Austin Johnson, Kane Martin, Cyber, Mocha, Myth Oceana, Scuzz Daddy, Spencer Kennedy, AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Damian Zink, Dino DNA, Mountain Man, Owen Alvarado, Pig, Jeremy Drysdale, Ray Powell, and Sonny Sweet. Thank you all so much for your new and continued support of the podcast. We've got multiple patrons just in the last week alone, and I, wow, thank you so much. We really appreciate the support. Um, we have some new cards to read off here, and we are going to do something a little bit different today. We actually have a list of some Yu-Gi-Oh! slang terms, and we know that we have a lot of newer players in the, uh, in our listener base. Uh, it's something we reference a lot because it's true, and we happen to know it. So, um, we want to take a moment to talk about some things that may not be quite as intuitive as a lot of other things about the game are and you know just uh generally take some time to uh how do i put it you know explain some things that maybe people haven't really explained before so um oh yeah, oh, yeah no it's 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 one of those things where you just kind of we've just been kind of saying these terms expecting everyone to just kind of know what they mean and then someone brought up in Discord that we should probably explain some of this because there's a couple of things that we that we've said in the podcast that they didn't understand. So yeah, this, absolutely. This that. As a matter of fact, looking up some of these, I I even learned a couple of new ones. Yeah, there there's definitely some things within the uh, within the there's like a, 
was it a, a wiki page for Yu-Gi-Oh yep. slang terms? Yep. And uh, huh? Yeah, it's over on Yu-Gi-Pedia. Uh, the link will be in the link to the webpage that we're getting all these slang terms from, minus one or two of them, are going are, is going to be in the description below. Yeah. So for those wondering about maybe some uh, audio quality things, uh, we do want to say that we are recording remote today. Um, there's been some some issues with, uh, I guess you could say, you know, sickness, sick sickness or whatever, running around, um, and we do, we just don't want to take any chances with anything. So um, there's we don't believe that it's COVID or anything like that, but you know, we do want to take the time to acknowledge that. So. Oh yeah, no, no. We we know for a fact that the Backstreet Boys have not decided to have a to have their reunion tour here, uh, with either of our houses at the moment. Something else entirely. Don't want to get into it. Yeah, pretty much. So. All right. Um, so first card we got. Ooh. Okay. So the first. Uh, do you mind if I go ahead and take this first card? Because this is kind of some DM support that I've been that I've been kind of that I kind of think is really neat. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. So the card in Japan is called Barbarian Ogal. Translated to English, it'd be Barbarian number zero. The TCG translation would be Battle Guard number zero. It's Battle Guard support. So Battle Guards were this pair of cards that Joey had. They're level five warriors, and it was Swamp and Swamp Battle Guard and Lava Battle Guard. When Swamp Battle Guard's on the field, all your Lava Battle Guards got an attack buff. And if Lava Battle Guard's on the field, all your Swamp Battle Guards also got an attack buff. So, and then much later, they gave them a spell card and a boss monster called Battle Guard King. Uh, so this is Battle Guard Zero. It's a level 1 Earth Warrior effect monster, 50 attack, 100 defense. <laughs> it can only use the 1 in 3 effects of this card's name each once per turn. Hard once per turn. We'll explain that later. Um, <clears throat> if this card is a normal or special summon, you can add 1 Feast of the Wild level 5 from your deck to your hand. 2. Battle Guard monster you control gain 500 attack, including itself. So it's actually like 550 attack. Um, three, you can tribute this card to special summon a level eight warrior monster from your hand. That is for Battle Guard King. Uh, Feast of the Wild level five is a spell card, old spell card. <coughs> uh, special summon up to two level five warrior type monsters from your hand and or graveyard, but their effects are negated. Then for the rest of the turn, they cannot attack. I, I didn't even know they had a uh, boss monster, so. Yeah, they do now. Um, it, I believe it was added in... Arc V. I remember, like, one of the earliest big bad evil guys for that show having it as his boss monster. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't, like, make Battle Guards good or anything, but it's neat. It's cool. Still went on Battle Guard Shaman and, like, all the other Battle Guards that are anime only right now. Hey, one piece at a time. Fair enough. Like, even if they gave, like, all the battle guards, even if they released all the battle guards, they'd still be terrible. Yeah. So, it is what it is. It's cool, though. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find the name of the user in our Discord server that suggested we talk about some, um... Yeah, the slang. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out. So, 
Um, I can't find the message in the Discord server, but you know who you are. Shout out to you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing this to our attention, that we've been saying things people don't understand what we mean. Yep. Uh, let's see, since I got the last card, you can get the next card. Alrighty. Next card we have, so we did get some new weather support. So this is for the archetype for the Weather Painters, which was a pretty cool older archetype. And so this new support will come out in Dimension Force. This is called the Weather Forecast. It is a field spell card. You can only activate one card with this card's name per turn. You can only use this card's name's second and third effects once per turn each. One. When this card resolves, you can place one the weather spell or trap directly from your deck to your spell and trap zone face up. Two. You can only treat face up the weather cards in your spell and trap zones as the weather monsters. Or you can also treat face up the weather cards in your spell and trap zones as the weather monsters and use them for the link summon of a the weather link monster. Three, during your main phase, you can immediately after, immediately after this effect resolves, normal summon one the weather monster. This is a pretty cool card. It acts as a good extender for the deck. It gives them an extra normal summon, which is important. And also, it lets you place one of their spell traps from your spell and trap zone or from the deck to their spell and trap zone. So, uh, you can place it like you can place like a trap face up, similar to how um, Kowloon for the virtual world deck places Chuche face up. Oh, yeah, but not only that, the second effect is also super cool, uh, letting you use the weather spell and traps as materials for link monsters. Well, for link monsters specifically, a the weather link monster, which is yeah, which I the next card we talk about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, since I will get that one. Um, so the current English translation for this is the Weather Painter Night Rainbow. Um, TCG player, not TCG player, uh, uh, YGO organization also believes that it could also be translated to the Weather Painter Moonbow. Link 3, Dark Fairy. You don't see many Dark Fairies. That's cool. Uh, let's see. 2400 attack. The Link arrows are all pointing down. Bottom left, bottom, and bottom right. Uh, one, uh, materials. Three, the weather monsters. Uh, one, if this card is Link Summoned, you can special summon one of your banished, the weather monsters. Cool. Two, the weather effect monsters this card points to gain the following effect. Quick effect. You can banish this card and target one monster opponent controls, banish it until the standby of your next turn. Three, if this Link Summon card is destroyed, you can special summon a the weather painter rainbow from your extra deck. This is super cool. Oh, yeah, this card's amazing for the deck. Because first off, um, on Link Summon, you get back one of your banished weather monsters. Now, here's the cool part. If you make this, use its interrupt effect, and then make a new one using it as one of the, one of the materials, one of the materials, you get back one of your monster that you banished. Uh, yeah, this there's nothing on this that's once per turn either. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's all soft once per turns. Nope. What are you talking about? It's not even soft once per turn. It's just not once per turn. Well, okay, so with the um, Link Summon effect, you have to Link Summon it. So that's a soft once per turn. It's once per Link Summon of this card. If you Link Summon it again, you get the effect again. Uh, and then No, it's not once. It doesn't say once. It, okay, see? Okay, oh, boy. It's one, it's one of those weird things where it is or it is once per Summon, only because it activates on Link Summon. But it's not once per turn or once per summon. It, it it doesn't say once per turn anywhere on the card. Oh yeah, yeah, no, like none of its effects say, say at all say once per turn, and they let you and like and if and if it's destroyed for any reason, you could pop it yourself to get this off. You get you just get to cheat out a uh, the weather painter rainbow, 
who I should have pulled up. Yeah, so just while you're pulling that up, I mean, th this card, it, I mean, it does everything that the deck needed, you know? And by the way, can I just say, I love the artwork on these cards. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know if any of the Weather Painter cards are good, but I do like the artwork. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. The Weather Painter Rainbow. Three Weather Monsters. Uh, it is a... Oh, excuse me. Light Fairy, 2400 attack. Uh, when your opponent would special summon a monster, quick effect, that's not good. Uh, you can send this Link Summon card to the graveyard, negate the summon, and destroy the monster. It's a summon negate, but only if you Link Summon it. So you don't get that effect if you cheat it out with Moonbow. Um, once per turn, during the standby of the turn, after this card was banished from the field to activate a The Weather card effect, you can special summon this, banner, this banished card. So if you use it as the banished cost, it just recurs itself. Yeah. Uh, the Weather effect monsters that this card points to gain the following effect. When a card or effect is activated, quick effect, banish this card, negate, and destroy. So it cheats out an Omni negate. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good, to be honest. Oh my oh my god, that, that's amazing. Oh that's The only thing I have to wonder is does the deck have any inherent in engine ways to destroy its own stuff? I don't Which know. I don't know. N neither do I. Um it's really cool though, and I hope that uh everyone out there who's super into the weather monsters uh love this card. Yeah, I saw some awesome reactions online from some some people like MBT and stuff like that that were I mean, just loving these cards. So, okay, that's good. That's good. Um, um, next we have a new card from also from Dimension Force called Divine Dragon. Hold on, I'm gonna get this. Titanomachia. Titanomachia. That's it. Titanomachia. There you go. Titanomachia. All right. This is a level ten light dragon effect monster. Three thousand attack. Two thousand defense. You can only use this card's name, second and third effects once per turn each. One, this special summon card cannot be destroyed by battle. Okay. Two, you can banish three Divine Dragon Titanomachia from your graveyard and or among monsters from your face-up field, including this face-up card. Destroy all cards your opponent controls. Three, during the end phase, you can send cards from the top of your deck to the graveyard equal to the number of dragon monsters you control. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's not. Yeah, but it doesn't have a way to cheat itself out. You have to either tribute two to summon it, or um, I guess you can like in engine in like a Dragon Link deck, like turbo yeah. it out. I like mean, Red MD or LP if you mill one from if you like Foolish Burial, I guess. Yeah, that would be all I could come up or, with. Not LP Pisty. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd have to send it to the graveyard and then either LP or Pisty it out. So, yeah, or, or no, not definitely not LP. You'd have to piss yeah, it out. Pisty or uh, Red MD. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is Red Eyes Darkness Metal Dragon, by the way, for those of you who did not know. And I've said Red MD a bunch. Yeah. Okay. So I call him the Red Doctor because it's a joke. Right. Um, I do want to take a quick moment before we get into our main segment to, of course, thank our sponsor, ETB Games in Alexandria, Louisiana. ETB Games is, of course, a one-stop shop to get all of your nerdy needs. You can, of course, get anything you need for Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! or 
Pokemon, D and D, any tabletop game, different books, literature. You can get uh, your fix for tournaments for all of these competitive card games. They also do Digimon. Uh, I think if you ask around, you might even find a Dragon Ball Z community or Dragon Ball Z Super, I think is what it's called. Uh, But it's definitely a great place to check out, get all of your accessories, get all of your needs, and generally anything that you would need. So thank you to ETB Games for sponsoring the podcast and check them out in the link at the description down below. Alrighty then. And I also want to take a quick moment. Now is as good a time as any. Um, so we had a bit of a, I'm not going to say a contest so much as a, um, how do you describe it? We had a competition, I guess you could say. So we told our discord and our Twitter to everybody that has a Spotify wrapped. Um, so Spotify sends you a. I can say a notification, but Spotify sends you a thing where you can click on it and see what your most listened to podcasts for the year were. You can see, um, you can see everything that you need to about what you listen to on Spotify this year. Oh yeah, yeah, you know. So we ask people to kind of you know show it to a you know show us it on Twitter and Discord, and we got some of them in. Yep. So. The cool thing about the Spotify wrapped is that it tells you exactly how many minutes you listened to our podcast this year. And if you are, if we're in your Spotify top, top five, I think you can just like click on it. It'll tell you how many message, how many minutes you listened. So in our discord, the people that we, that showed us in their Spotify wrapped were board breaker, YGO, Owen, Wolf Red MX5, Savior, Sotile, Beatrice Pass, Hello There, Razor Guardian, Cade, Red Eye Chef, Darth Circa, DZZZ Gogo, uh, Cisco Arez, <laughs> XYX, Green Day XYX, Board 781, 3021. And on Twitter, we had American Outlaw Zero, Power, Shimbo, Millennium Magician, Noah, a.k.a. VW, because bees become bad, Top Tier YGO, and Michael. So thank you all so much for your willingness to go ahead and share that with us. It's really cool to see how much people listen throughout the year. But we said that there would be a prize going out to whoever had the most minutes listened on the year. So a huge shout out to Shimbo from Twitter. You will be receiving a one of a kind, well, one of four, there's only four of them, t-shirt that we made. We had an early mock-up made of a t-shirt for the podcast. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not the nicest in the world. Uh, It was just kind of an example or a mock-up that we had made. Um, We only made one for myself, one for Caleb, and one for our other third behind-the-scenes shadowy figure. Um, our partner that works with us on the podcast and we made one extra one and the one extra one, I wasn't quite sure what it was for, but, uh, I realized that this is it. This is what it's for. So you get a shirt. There's only four of them in existence. Um, there will not be any more made 
unless you message us and tell us that you need a size that's not in the one that we needed, that we have, then there will be five. But uh, thank you. So be sure to message us through Twitter, and we will be sure to send out your awesome shirt as soon as possible. So I want to take a minute and thank everybody for that. Woo! So we want to go ahead and get into the slang that we wanted to talk about on today's episode. So we have a list here. It's on the Yugipedia. Um, There's a lot here. So there's some that we all know and love, and then there's some that we just have never heard of. So we want to take a moment to explain these to not only ourselves, but to also our listeners. And if there's any here that require, in our opinion, a little bit more in-depth discussion... We will go ahead and provide that as needed. Oh, yeah. Um, we also came up with three that weren't on this list because they're technically not slang. It's just one is slang. The other two are just game mechanics that aren't really discussed very often. Um, so yep. let's, say, let's start with the ones that aren't on the list. Uh, beginning. Oh, with man, it. I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say let's keep them in suspense and put the one. Tell them uh, talk about the ones on the list first. You know what? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's keep everybody in suspense. So these are in alphabetical order of what's, you know. Just, you know, in alphabetical order on the Wikipedia. So yep. the first one is absorb slash eat. So the Wikipedia defines this as the act of using a monster as an equipped card or exceeds material, usually gaining its power. So think of this as okay. when you activate a card or effect and it attaches your opponent's monster to your exceeds monster. Uh, not even, well, not even necessarily... Um... Just exceeds. Relinquish does it. Relinquish anima does it. That yeah, great, great, great uh, example. And uh, Cyber Dragon Infinity can also do it, but he attaches it as exceeding material. Um, yeah, yeah. And then technically, I would also consider. I personally consider um, uh, Underworld Goddess at the close of the world because she uses one of your opponent's monsters as material to make her. Yeah, I would consider that too. Um, the next we have is ban, the act of forbidding a card from being used. And as a subnote, ban list, the list of forbidden, limited, or semi-limited cards. These are pretty self-explanatory. Oh, yeah. Beat stick, a monster whose main purpose in a deck is to provide a body with high attack to damage the opponent's life points. And then subcategory, a glorified beat stick, an effect monster with high attack whose effect is rarely utilized in its deck and thus spends most of its time being a beat stick. So... Something you can think of in this is kind of in older Yu-Gi-Oh, they would summon vanillas as what they would call as beat sticks. So, Prime or even think actually, of, uh, summon skull back, you yeah. know, back in the day because it was one tribute for twenty five hundred attack points. The whole point was I got a big monster on board. You can't uh, just attack over it. Good luck. Right. Um, a more recent example is I know in twenty twelve Yu-Gi-Oh, the um, if you look at the Dino Rabbit deck. You had two Sabersaurus at nineteen hundred attack and two Cabozals or three and three. Three Sabersaurus and three Cabozals at seventeen hundred attack. And really those were just there as beat sticks. And I mean they were targets for Rescue Rabbit, obviously. That's their main function. They were the two highest attack point vanilla dinosaur monsters in the game. Yep. But, that's why they in particular were chosen. Yeah, that's why they were chosen, but when you really look at it, they were also, you could just normal summon them and start beating. So, I mean, they serve right. multiple functions. 
Oh, yeah, no, like, at the time, 1900 and 1700 on a normal summon body was nothing to scoff at, especially in a matchup like Dino Rabbit, where they sit there and eat away your resources, and then you're left with maybe one or two monsters you can just set a normal summon, they normal summon monster can just attack over it. Exactly correct. Um, next, we have board, which is just the field. Uh, you have breaking a board, which is the act of removing or neutralizing the threat of a player's field, usually used when that player has multiple effect negations and or various stun cards. So uh, think of board breaking as when your opponent sets up a full Drytron board and you like Dark Ruler and then Kaiju them and stuff like that. You're breaking their board one piece at a time. So establishing a board, which is the act of summoning and using card effects to fill one's own empty field with monsters or spell traps. So that's when you're building your Drytron board, things like that, or not even that. You could just be establishing a board presence through these, like a combo that ends on like an Opelousa, right? So, and then you have board wipe, which is the act of removing multiple, usually all cards on the field or the opponent's field in a single turn or less. So, lightning storm would be a board wipe. Harpy's feather duster is a board wipe. Dark hole, right? Geki, things like that. Uh, uh, black rose dragon. Yeah, that's a great example for sure. Um, next you have book slash blanket, the act of flipping a monster to face down a defense position. I've never heard this called blanketing. Yeah. Um, I always heard of like blanketing meaning something different, like blanketing in effect, like effect veiler. But uh, book, I've always heard like book that card as like book of moon, flipping it face yeah. down defense. No, no, no. You're thinking of blanking a card when you're, that's just when you're just negating. Uh, okay. That makes sense Which, too. Uh, actually, I don't even think it's on this list. Huh? It's not. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's a freebie for you. Yeah. Next we have boost the active, uh, using an effect that increases attack, defense, or affects affection capability. So, I mean, Forbidden Lance, uh, the monster what, gains 800 attack or loses 800 attack. Uh, I think actually, think, actually, I think a better example um, would be Forbidden Chalice because it boosts their attack by five by 400. Uh, another example, another much better example is when Access Code yeah. gets made, his effect activates, targeting a Link monster and then boosting, quote unquote, his own attack. Well, um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, um, basically anything that increases attack or defense is a boost. Yeah. So the next you next one is boss, the most powerful monster of an archetype or deck, either by attack, defense or effect. So it gives some examples, but you could look at light sworn, which has judgment dragon. You could look at dark Lord, which has Grapha. You could look at. I mean, any number of decks Primary that have egg. right, exactly. Next, you have bounce, the act of returning a card from field to hand. Think compulsory evacuation device, or in a more modern sense, you have uh, ancient warriors oath, double dragon lords, just bounces a card back to hand. Also known as DDL. Yeah, um, for double dragon lords. Yeah. yeah. Um, next, you have blast, break, or pop. The effect, the act of destroying a card on the field. So, uh, you know, like I pop your back row with an MSD, something like that. I've only, that would ever, be. Heard, I've only ever heard pop. I've never heard blast or break. Um, I think those are more magic terms. Probably. Uh, next, you have brick or rot, a bad card combination in the hand that results in a play in the player having to make a suboptimal play. So you can think of this. I've never heard rot, but I've heard brick a lot. So you can say that the Dragoon Engine, you have to run two bricks in Red Eyes and Dark Magician. Or in the 
Destiny Hero Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer package, you have to run two what they call Soft Bricks and Celestial and Dasher. Now, they're called Soft Bricks because Celestial and Dasher, still they still have function while in the hand, but you'd rather them be in the deck. Much rather than be in the deck at all, at all costs. Right. And this will have another... Um, this will have another application, like another, there will be another term for this later on. So, um, next you have buff, a positive effect applied on a monster or the active using it. Um, so, or it could be like used, like when they buff a card's effect, like when they are at it to make it stronger, but that's extremely rare. Uh, so usually whenever economy buffs a monster, it's because they made it, they made it. Like, it's an old anime or manga-only card that's been around the anime or manga for a long time, but then they just kind of like, okay, we're going to print this card final, let's give it a better effect than it had in the anime. Yeah, most of the time when you hear somebody say buff in Yu-Gi-Oh!, they're referring to like a card or an archetype, and they'll say, oh, well, wow, this, this new card for the archetype, like these new Weather Painter cards really buffed the archetype, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, next is burn the effect damage and the act of using it. So this would be like when somebody activates sparks and burns you for what five hundred damage. Uh, I think it's two hundred. Oh, I know Ukazi is eight hundred. Yeah, uh, I don't entirely so. remember. I'm used to sparks being fifty because all the because all the Yu-Gi-Oh like video games, except for the ones that were just straight up uh uh simulators like uh like uh. Dueling's evolution and whatnot, it was 50. Right. Next, we have Bury, which is placing a card on the bottom of the deck. This is not one that you hear very often, but think of in Tri Brigade, you have Tri Brigade, Fairjeet the Baron Blossom. She lets you draw one card and then place one card on the bottom of the deck. So, yeah. So, in that case, you'd be saying that it, that it, uh, that makes you draw a card and then it buries one. Yep. Um, next, you have Chain Blocking. The use of simultaneous effects such that a card will miss its opportunity be, to be chained to a certain timing. Okay, this one's a bit complicated. We are really going to go in depth a little bit on this one. So, oh yeah, in certain decks, they have ways to make multiple trigger effects or multiple or just like simultaneous effects happen at the same time. So, when you think about something like this, the best way to think about it would be um i'm trying to think okay if if i activate my tri brigade revolt and i summon back a nerval a kit and a fair jeet and link them all the way for a sure egg four effects trigger at the exact same time so so in the way that would work is so let's say it's some it, well there's a principle called seagok Yep. Simultaneous effects go on chain. Exactly. So when you have simultaneous effects that trigger at the same time, you as turn player, as the player whose effects are activating, well, okay, not as turn player, as the player whose effects are activating, you can order these effects happen in any sequence that you want them. So oh, yeah. in the previous were mentioned, in the previously mentioned Tri Brigade Revolt scenario, I can Activate Tribrigade Revolt, resolve it. On resident, those four effects are going to trigger. So let's say I want to go um, Tribrigade Shurag, Chainlink 1, Fairjeet, Chainlink 2, Nerval, Chainlink 3, 
and kit Chainlink 4. Now, the reason I would do this is because with chit, with, with kit, <laughs> kit, my son's name is Chip, so I just, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, with kit being Chainlink 4, you can order it to where if your opponent has, say, an Ash Blossom Enjoy Spring in, in their hand, they can only respond to the kit. So no matter what, unless they have called by the grave or something similar, yeah, your Tri Brigade Nerval is going to resolve. And as such, you can basically do what's called chain blocking to make sure that you block your effects to make sure that they resolve. Oh yeah, yeah, because a lot of hand traps and other negations have to activate in response to the thing that they're negating. Um, right. There are, of course, there are a couple of rare exceptions to that rule, uh, because rather than when you're rather than say when your opponent activates a card or effect, do this. It'll rather it'll say like target one card your opponent controls. Do this. So, a great example is in the previous scenario, the Shurag that we have on field. If our opponent has a effect, effect veiler or infinite impermanence, or even who, a DD crow, or, yeah, or even a DD crow, as long as they have a card that fulfill that whose activation condition is fulfilled, they can still activate it here, but. They have to understand that something like an Ash Blossom, which specifically activates in response to an effect activation, can only be chained and can only be used on the last effect on the chain. So another good example would be if I did that nice little chain link and I ordered it all that way and my opponent has Cyframe Gear Gamma in hand, they can only respond with that Gamma to my kit. They cannot use that gamma to stop my Shurag or my Nerval or my Fergeet. Thus, protecting you from something like, like those cards, like a gamma, like an Ash. So this is, in essence, a way to ensure that proper sequencing allows your plays to go off. Oh, yeah. Um, part of, now, the, part of the reason why the chain link number is important is because... The chain link, the chain resolves backwards. Sorry, right. sorry with chain link. Uh, so in this case, let's say you activate those four effects, your opponent then activates Ash Blossom. Ash Blossom and chain link five would resolve negating the kit. Kit re would resolve negated, and then Nerval Search, Fergie, Draw and Bury, uh, Shurag Banish. Right. So, um. Those chain links are so important, and understanding how chains work and how chains properly resolve is a, something that I would say to any beginner is critical in any kind of competitive environment or any kind of um, not just competitive environment, even tabletop with your friends. Understanding how chain links resolve and understanding how chain links work properly can absolutely, without a doubt, be the difference in understanding the game state and understanding how things are going to work and how things need to happen for you to win. Oh yeah. Um, and again, then you can all, it also allows you to kind of take advantage over the fact that you've got two or three effects going off. Cause you might, in that exact same example, you might not care whether or not your, uh, 
kit goes effect your kit effect resolves or not you probably don't care at all right but that search and then get to uh, cycle quote unquote a card um where you draw one bury one and then you can also plus that banish those are the stuff you want to go off yeah um i think it's really underestimated how important understanding chains and chain links are i think that if you really understand how chain links work you can resolve a lot of rulings issues on your own oh yeah so um let's go ahead and move on to the next one because there's a lot of these oh yeah the next one is chimera tech so a chimera tech has a multiple attacker built-in effect this is taken from chimera tech over dragon uh which is like the most well-known multiple attacker so think about also ultimate conductor tyranno it can attack each monster your opponent controls once each or cyber twinning can attack multiple times um i've never heard of something being called a chimera tech but you know it's on here yeah hey it oh. is hey that's it's probably just some slang that's not very common to use but has been used enough for it to be noticed right next is a combo piece which is an important single card used to make it combo so these are your nervals your fractals these are your sword soul of mo Yi, your you know the cards that make your combos happen these are the important cards for your combos or yep. it doesn't even have to be you know named archetypal cards you could also consider cards like uh deskbot 001 that's i mean that's a combo piece so um next is a counter so this is spell speed three or the act of using an effect that would negate so Spell Speed 3 is, of course, a counter spell or trap. Think Solemn Judgment, Solemn Strike, Solemn Warning, things like that. And the effect, and using an effect that would negate, think about the... Ash Blossom. Well, no, actually, Ash oh. Blo- well, Ash Blossom negates the effect, but not the activation. That is true. So when I, th- I think more of cards like Borlode Savage, which negate the activation. But it's important to remember that a counter trap almost always wins. So, oh, yeah. Um, next you have, uh, let's see, counter attack, a monster that had been attacked, but was not destroyed, destroys the attacker after the attack. So think of a card that, um, I don't know, oh, man eater, bu- man eater, a set man eater bug, your opponent actually, attacks into it and you pop their monster. Actually, I have an even better, actually I have two, I have two even better examples. Go for it. Uh, Mech Knight Crusadia Avermax and actually Boral Sword. So, Mech Knight Crusade Avermax, whenever it, gets, whenever it uh, attacks or is attacked by a special summon monster, it gains that monster's attack. That would be a counterattack, is it gaining that attack and then destroying the monster that attacked it. Yeah, also that. Yeah. And Boral Sword does the same thing. Yeah. Next is well, Death I'll, Touch. An effect. Enough. Go ahead. I'll say it's close enough to the same. Yeah. Death Touch, an effect that destroys a monster during or after an attack. So think should all construct or else should all construct rather um, else should all construct when it attacks an opponent's monster that's special summoned or special summoned from the extra deck when it battles a special summoned monster. Yeah. So when else should all construct battles and a special summoned monster, it destroys that monster before damage calculation is applied. Uh, another great example back in actually all the way back in goat was mystic swords from level two. Uh, with face down monsters and 
uh, what was the Sasuke Grandmaster Sasuke with a Ninja Grandmaster Sasuke, right? Thank you, Ninja Grandmaster Sasuke. Um, I think also maybe Exploder Dragon. Uh yeah, I'd, I'd count it. Well, uh, I wouldn't count Exploder Dragon only because it has to be destroyed to get its pop effect off. Sure. Um, next we have debuff, a negative effect applied to a monster or the act of using it. So. Here's where Forbidden Lance could come in, you know, loses 800 attack. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, the first half of Boral Sword's uh, battle effect, because it cuts their attack points in half, that would be debuffing their attack to buff his attack. Right. Um, next, you have Defend the Castle, a strategy that involves summoning a single powerful or versatile monster, usually with one exceptionally strong protection or disruption effects, and keeping on the field as long as possible. So this could also be called a like a towers um think of a the the link six for adagnister how it just summons a huge dude and then they want to like defend the castle they just want to protect that one guy yeah. I, uh, the deck can do other things but you know that's what a lot of people think of when they think of the deck oh yeah uh, actually another great example of defending the castle is uh uh, older tribe grade builds whenever they were running like rendezvous to help protect barrier statue the the castle they were defending was ba- was barrier statue the storm winds at the time right next we have ding which is ding girsu the orcus of the evening star it's just a slang term for ding girsu just ding like you ding a, you ding somebody's door in a parking lot uh but don't do that that'd be bad um next you have disrupt the continual use of floodgate and or counter trap cards um, I disagree with this definition. Uh, I don't think it's just counter trap cards and floodgates that cause disruptions. I think you also have things like negates and things like that on the board, oh, yeah. which, you know, also cause disruptions. So, um, a, a great examples would actually be, uh, double dragon Lords on sound blue Robin, even DD crow can be a, a disruption. Right. Absolutely. Next you have ditch the act of sending a card from the hand to the graveyard as part of a deck strategy. So, Think Tri-Brigade Fractal. It ditches itself from the hand, well, hand or field, but, you know, mostly the hand, as a way to get things in the graveyard and get the engine rolling. Next, you have Dump, the act of getting cards or any of any number or specification in the graveyard so that those cards would be used later from the graveyard. Think of Tri-Brigade Kit. I know I keep referencing Tri-Brigade a lot, but I played the deck for like the last year or so. It's, <clears throat> and it just so happens that a lot of these definitions fit the deck. Oh yeah, uh, actually another great example of a dump would actually be the boost, the attack boost effect on Card Trooper. No, that's not a dump. That is true. Uh, A dump is like a strategic sending to the graveyard. Fair enough, Foolish Burial. Foolish Burial dumps one. Tribrigade Kit dumps one, things like that. uh, Lusk Bird Call can dump. Right. So next you have Engine. A number of cards that helps a deck achieve a certain action or helps a player draw a good card. So think of the Tribrigade engine. The Tribrigade engine consists of three Fractal, three Kit, three Nerval, two Karras, and two Revolt. That is your, and one 10 key really, but you know. That is your Tribrigade engine. That is the engine that helps the deck run. That is the main focus and main core um, some decks run multiple engines. You run a Tribrigate engine alongside a Lyralusk engine or a Zodiac engine, or you can run a Dragonlink engine. And all the cards that mainly make your deck go 
are your engine, just like the engine of a car. So now some in, now whenever some engines are really really small, um, sometimes they're called packages because they're small. Yeah. So uh, for instance, with the uh, the uh, uh, you just said you just said the name that name of the archetype. Uh, Zodiac. 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 Oh yeah, Zodiac yeah. package. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's very very small engine. But that's all it needs is like what is it five six cars at most? Um, I mean Zodiac got to the point where it was literally like a four card engine in the main deck. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, it, so at that point they call it, they also call it a package because it can be decked into a lot of different things. Yeah, think about the upcoming Brave Token stuff. It's a Brave Token package. Yeah, so you could still technically technically call it the Brave Token engine. But people are going to more going to more likely just call it the package instead. Yeah. Next, you have evolution, a card that is better than another card, while the two cards holding a similar design or the active using one. I literally don't even know what it's referencing, but I know that the next part, which is a retrain, which that's kind of like the subset, a specific kind of evolution that is clearly designed to replace the original. So think of um, Millenniumize Restrict or Relinquished Anima being retrains of thousand eyes restrict or relinquished actually uh we actually recently talked about it uh, talked about something that was an evolution and not a, that was specifically an evolution but not a retrain in uh in a in a umi and a legendary ocean oh, okay that makes sense yeah um it's it, it, legendary ocean is just umi plus um it it is umi that is for sure um there actually if you want to get technical about it there is no a legendary ocean. Technically, you are correct. There is only Umi. It has always been Umi. Praise be the Umi. <laughs> <laughs> All hail Umi. <laughs> um, next, you have an extender. Cards that are usually less useful early on, but becomes more desirable after a player made their initial plays. Eh, I kind of disagree with this definition. I'm more partial to Hoban's definition. Um, but generally, sort of, yeah. An extender would be a card that lets you push past the capabilities of your like normal cards. So a good example of this would be Tri Brigade Fergit the Baron Blossom is a superior extender. It is a low cost, low effort addition to your board that lets you extend into even more plays by giving you the extra special summon. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, to me that makes sense though. But I also already know what uh, I already knew what uh, extender meant. Um, True. Oh, another great example uh, of an extender would be, um, would actually be a petting sessor, if you already had her in hand, but we're doing other plays first. Um, petting sessor. Yeah. The, yeah, but uh, Medulce petting petting sessor is both a starter and an extender. Yes. We'll get into starters later, but sometimes uh, a card can be a, a starter and an extender. Sometimes it's only an extender. Sometimes it's only a starter. Yep. Um, I do want to take a moment just to read. I, <laughs> I actually have Hoban's book in front of me, and there's two different kinds of extenders that he meant that he outlines in his book which is Road of the King. It's a cool book. You should check it out if you haven't already. It is a wonderful resource. Um, 
so the two extenders that he types that he talks about are called superior extenders and additional extenders. So a superior extender would be a high impact cards that extend the line of play and require a minimal amount of setup. So something like Seer Malbranch of the Burning Abyss would be a superior extender. So it pairs well with another card like Graph. Um, other some other. Uh, superior extenders could be like Mermail, Abyss Gund, Dragoonity Ducks, or Soul Charge. Then you have things that are called additional extenders. Cards that significantly raise the ceiling of the deck at the cost of being subpar draws. So these are things that might... Um, they're weaker draws because they require a lot more setup. But they give the deck a lot more power and a lot more versatility. So. Some cards like this would be Cow Cab, Malbranch of the Burning Abyss, Performance Trick Clown, Flameville Guard, or Mermail Abyss Turge. So there, when you say extender, there's a couple of different ways. There's also a reactive extender, which is like traps that raise the ceiling of a deck. Something like Reckless Greed or uh, Call of the Haunted. Um, they raise the ceiling of the deck, but only like reactively. So... Um, there's a couple of different ways at looking at extenders. So that's why, you know, to summarize it all up into one sentence here just kind of seems disingenuous to me. Oh yeah, no, no, so. it definitely is. Um, next you have flash, which is just spell speed two. think of quick play spells, uh, uh, normal traps, continuous traps, things like that. And, uh, um, quick effects. yeah, so I think these would be called instance in magic, something like that. Uh yeah, uh, instance and then monster and then uh, creatures with with uh, the actual ability called flash. Um, right. Which means you can uh, summon this creature during your opponent's turn if you have the man on board. Yeah. So this is just a magic term. Next, you have floater, a monster that can replace itself upon leaving the field. So I have a hard time thinking of something like, but when they say one card floats into another. Similar to how Graph floats into Seer. Something like that. Um, a great old, old, this is an old, old card. Uh, Sigurfings of Nephthys would constantly refloat herself whenever she was popped. Yeah, she floated back into herself. Yeah, she literally, her effect was that when she's popped and sent to the graveyard during the next standby special summon her, and you also get an effect off on top of that. Uh, same thing with Garunix, high, high, high Fire King Avatar. Far King High Avatar Garunix, my bad. Um, I knew you were going to get there eventually. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Delindrous Dragon can also float himself. Yeah, um, so it, it they're also, usually they function also as extenders, so. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I know, because you can, like, because a lot, with a lot of floaters, you can send them to the graveyard to get for, as material for something, as materials for something, and then it floats itself right back. Yeah. It's basically free. So, I'm just I'm just gonna move on because we're we're on a time limit here. Um, ne next we have floodgate. Oh boy, here we go. A card with a continuous effect that restricts one or both players from performing certain actions. So cards like this would be anti spell fragrance, imperial order, but it's not just trap cards. It could also be spell cards like dimensional fissure. It could also be monster cards like 
the barrier statue of the Stormwinds or any of the barrier statues. It could also be like Vanity's Fiend or Vanity's Ruler. They are continuous effects that restrict certain actions. They very specifically have to say that that it can't happen, not that it negates. If it says it negates, it's not a floodgate, it's just a negate. Right. Um, I'm going to kind of plow through some of these because we're not even halfway down and we're running low on time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. And, and, yeah, and a good chunk of these are kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, so next we have Fodder, a card that is used solely as a tribute material or for costs. So, in think in GOAT format, the scapegoat tokens are Fodder for Metamorphosis or things like that. Um, next you have Fusion, outside of its normal context, also used to refer to polymerization cards. Um, so, think of Fright for a Fusion, Thunder Dragon Fusion, Miracle Fusion. It's a Fusion card, things like that. Um, next you have Garnet. A card that is crucial to a deck strategy, but can become less useful or even useless when drawn into. This is, this is named after Gem Knight Garnet, which was used with like the Brilliant Fusion Engine, just because it was like the strongest um, target for it, but not a good card. Yeah, if you drew it, you couldn't Brilliant Fusion. Uh, a great example of that now would actually be Red Eyes, Dark, Red Eyes Black Dragon and Dark Magician, and people using the Dragoon Package. Yeah, so another name for a Garnet is a Brick. So they work the same. Next, you have Generic. Cards that can be played in most decks without causing any conflict. So something like this would be Monster Born. You can play it almost anywhere just for free. Um, something that's a main deck um, main deck example. And some extra deck examples would be Appaloosa, Access Code Talker, Borrowload Savage, things like that. And semi-generic is cards that are less generic, but nonetheless can still find space in many decks. So like type or attribute specific supports. Like the entire Swords of Lark type being just worm generic? Um, Yeah, really in a way, because... Um, or an even better one, uh, Fire Formation 10 Key. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it is a Fire Fist card, but it's just any Beast Warrior. Yep. So, um, next you have hand traps. So these are monsters with effects that can be activated from the hand in response to its opponent play or manually in certain timings. So things like this are Ash Blossom and Joy Spring, Effect Veiler, DD Crow, Droll and Lockbird, Artifact Lancia, Skullmeister, Ghost Bell and Joyous. Wait, is it Ghost Bell and Haunted Mansion? Yeah, it's Ghost Bell Haunted Mansion. Um, also yeah, Nibiru. Also uh, oh yeah, another card. They now they say monster effects. There are some. There is uh, exactly one. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One exception, and that being infinite impermanence. That we can think of off the top of our heads. Yeah. So, um, then you also have Veiler specifically, which is hand traps that negate the effect of a card the opponent controls, and named after Effect Veiler. And you have Ash hand traps that prevent the opponent from doing plays by disabling certain actions, usually by like negating the a card or you know, negating or destroying a card that allows them. So this is named after Ash Blossom and Joy Spring. Next you have laddering or climbing. So this is summoning progressively stronger monsters in succession. So think about you do link climbing. You summon a monster which summons another monster. You make a link two. That link two summons another monster. You climb that into a link three. Then maybe when one of the monsters goes to grave, they summon another and you climb into a link four. So this is uh, climbing the ladder, link climbing, as it's called, things like that. 
Next, you have lock or bind, the act of keeping a monster useless on the field without dif with difficulty in removing it. So think Phantom Knight's Fogblade locks it. Think about Fiendish Chain, things like that. Um, lockdown is a situation where a player has extreme field control. So when I've got Caleb in lockdown, that means that I've gone full combo, full board, and he is locked down. There's nothing that he can do. Next is a loop. <laughs> loops, brother, loops. A series of action that results in the same or at least similar effects that can be used over and over again. So um, this would be like the red-blue loop in Six Samurai, where you can just keep looping them infinitely. Or with Butterfly, Dagger, Elma, and Gearfried the Iron Knight, you can loop Gearfried the Iron... You can loop Butterfly, Dagger, Elma infinitely because Gearfried the Iron Knight would destroy it, and once you destroy it, it comes back to the hand. So you just loop it infinitely, and paired with something like Royal Magical Library, you can FDK your opponent by, or you can like basically instantly draw your entire deck, something like that. So next you have Lifelink, a negative effect that applies when the card leaves the field. Um, absolute zero. Elements are absolute zero, yes. Well, I, th I would think that it would be a negative effect that applies to the player. No, that's fair. Just to say, I've never actually seen this used. It's a ma it's a magic term. Gotcha. Next, you have um, meta. So competitive decks in the current ban list and card pool. So when you think of meta strategies, you think of Swords Soul, you think of Tri Brigade Liralusk, you think of Drytron, you think of things like that that are heavily played and very prevalent decks within the meta. The meta is the overall competitive landscape of the game. Is that right to you? Yep. Um, another uh, way to think of the meta is the game within the game. Yeah. Um, next you have... Sorry, no. I gotta get a little music going. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, the Saints game has ended horribly. I gotta get a little music going. Fair enough. I'll go ahead and continue reading on. Uh, Mill, the yep. act of sending cards from the top of the deck to the player's graveyard. Uh, also, don't forget anti-meta. Yes, anti-meta. It's decks that were meant to counter the meta. Yeah. It's kind of easy. Uh, Mill, the act of sending cards, uh, like I said, just said Mill. Great example of a Mill deck would be uh, Light Swarm. That's their whole shtick. Uh, mimic or copy. Having the card gain the property usually affect or attack of another card. Um, a great example is uh, Trigodia. Whenever... Uh, no, it is a mimic. Oh, copycat. Classic old card. Level one monster on normal summon. Target one of your opponent's monsters against its attack and defense. Uh, minus. Decrease the number of cards in one's own hand or field. So uh, when I think of a minus, I think of making your opponent go minus, right? So think about your opponent sets three passes and you activate Harpy's Feather Duster. You made them go minus two. So they've you lost one card to Harpy's Feather Duster. They lost three. Right. So you come out ahead in that interaction. Uh, let's see. Mirror match. Two opposing decks that are using the same archetype strategy or theme. It, 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 it's you're playing a deck, and then your opponent's also playing that deck. Yes. Uh, MST or Cyclone. Uh, Mystical Space Typhoon or the act of using it. Uh, Subnote. Twin slash Twister slash Twee Twee. Twin Twisters. Or the I've never of heard it called Twee Twee. Neither have I. I've always heard twin, just twin or just twister. Uh, nerf a card that has that has had its ability reduced, either by ruling or card effect. Additionally, can also be referred to an OCG or TCG's card 
card's effect being made weaker than its anime-slash-manga version. An example of a card getting nerfed was actually Red-Eyes Darkness Metal Dragon, because originally it was a soft once per turn, which we'll talk about later. Um, they made it a hard once per turn, which is good. Uh, yeah. Netpick, the act of completely copying a deck, often those that win, at, uh, win the YCS or place high in competition, uh, from online sources without any modifications. Great so this is literally just copying a deck card for card straight, like just... Yeah. I mean, straight from the online reports. Yeah, it's got kind of a, a dirt. It has, it has like a really nasty connotation to it. Um, however, it is a great place if you're trying to learn how to deck. It's a great place to start. I agree. Uh, nuke. The act of destroying multiple cards on the field at once, usually but not always, using a context of three or more cards are destroyed with a single effect. Black Rose Dragon, great example. Yep. Um, OP slash broken, a card that is too powerful compared to other cards of its peer. Um, um, that's really relative is the problem it's really ob- uh, objective yeah uh, pinned P-E-N-D short for pendulum monsters uh, pile a stack of cards to the graveyard I, I wholeheartedly disagree with this definition Um, it's usually used to describe a, car- a deck that's just like a bunch of random cards put together that just kind of work um, it's yeah so I remember um the Eldritch 60 card pile, as they were calling it, where it was Invoke, Dogmatica, Shadal, Eldritch, and it was like 60 cards, and it was just a pile of crazy cards that just worked together. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. PK Fire. Decks that hybridize the Phantom Knights and the Burning Abyss archetypes. The name came from the shorthand of Phantom Knights in Fire, re- referencing Burning Abyss theme of Hell, with the combined name referencing the move PK Fire from the Mother franchise, which had become which had become infinite became infamous for being spammed by the character Ness in Super Smash Brothers. PK Fire. PK Fire. Anyway, um, play an action involving playing cards, car- a card or cards, often a combo, e.g., making a play. Yeah, play. so making a play could be summoning a monster or activating a spell trap. You're just making a play. You're doing something. Yeah. Plus, increase the number of cards in one's own hand or field. An example of your opponent setting three, then you activate Harpy's Feather Duster. In that situation, they minus uh, two. two. You plus two. And right. If you plus, your opponent minuses. If you, if you minus, your opponent pluses. So think of if you activate Pot of Greed, you go plus one. And that's why Pot of Greed is banned, is because it is an inherent plus one, which is bad. Inherent, inherent free plus one with no costs or anything. So now something like Pot of Desires is also a plus one, but it has a pretty significant drawback of banishing at minimum uh, a sixth of your deck, maybe a quarter of your deck, depending on how many cards you're playing. Yeah. Uh, rage, force attacks and effects. That's any card that that where um where you where your where your monsters have to declare attacks. You can't just pass with them and attack when you have to that you have to attack. These I, effects are very rare. Oh yeah. Uh, recycle or recover the act of adding cards from your graveyard back to the hand or your deck. Um, a great example of recycling is actually the entire Medulce archetype. That's their shtick is that they recover is that they uh recycle, recycle each other themselves recycle themselves over and over again. Uh, reload the act of recovering cards to use them as fodder. I've never um, seen this used. Uh, you neither have I, so I don't have any examples. Uh, reset the activating card returned to its initial state when it is placed on the field. The ultimate reset card is Fiber Jar. It resets the entire game state. Oh yeah, uh, another great reset card is actually a Wind Up Rabbit. Yes, that's a great uh, example. Oh yeah, uh, revive the act of special summoning from the grave. 
Easy Mon- enough. Yeah, Monster Born or whatever. Row, series of card zone, with front row referencing the main monster zone and back row referring to your spell and trap zone. Back row hate, cards that are mainly used to destroy or disable cards in the opponent's spell and trap card zone. Imperial order, uh, roll decree, etc. Back row right. removal is the act of removing them. MST, uh, uh, Harpy's Feather, Duster, Lightning Storm, etc. Yeah. Rhoda. In reference to reinforcement of the army, a card that adds mo- a monster from the deck to the hand. Some monsters are Rotas on uh, via normal summon. Um, Stratos is another great example. Whoa, whoa, slow down. We're getting there. Yeah. Rule sharking. The abuse of Yu-Gi-Oh rules to gain an unfair advantage. The form of th- this form of unfair conduct is often used on less experienced players. So, this would be like your opponent. You know, you. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you know where if an experienced player know, can look at a duel that's going on and know that it's happening. Yeah, so, okay. Here's an example. You... I activate Twin Twister, and I'm thinking on discarding his cost. And I say, mm, I think I want to discard this kit, and I go, like, go to place it in my graveyard, but like my hand never comes off of it or anything. And I think about it for a second, I'm like, no, 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 I want to discard this Nerval instead. And so you discard the Nerval, and your opponent's like, whoa, you already committed to discarding the kit. Exactly. You know, you have to, di- and then, like, making you commit to the play, like, you have to commit to the kit. Okay, yeah. well, that's rule sharking, right? Because, one, you're never, your hand never came off the card, and two, they're, like, kind of, like, forcing you into this certain action, even though you haven't, yeah. like, all the way committed to it. Like, it, it's really hard to tell. Um, and it's... If you're, if you're an... Un- it can be objective sometimes, or subjective, right. whatever the one is where it's, like, relative. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on, we have run over, destroying an opponent's monster by battle. Usually used in the context where no card effects are involved. Yep. Pretty simple. Sacrifice, tributes, materials, or costs, and the act of using them. Yep. Think of ritual monsters. Yeah. Uh, salad or salami. Salamangrate. It's the whole salamangrate archetype. Never heard it called salami, but okay. Yeah. Uh, scaling, the act of weighing booster packs to determine which pack is a rare card. That's not. That's no longer really applicable to now, because back in the day... You weren't guaranteed a, a foil. You weren't guaranteed a super rare above. So, so the packs that had the super rares were slightly heavier than the packs that didn't. Right. Now you're guaranteed a super, so all the packs are about the same weight. Yeah, it's really difficult to scale packs now, but um, um, people still try. Yeah. Next up, scoop. Surrendering a duel. It's called that because you kind of scoop up all the cards on the table to get ready for the next game. Yep. Next is Search or Tutor, which is the act of adding a card from your deck to your hand, except by drawing. Think of Fire Formation Tenki or Rhoda. Next, you have Shadow Strike or Shadow Dive, which is a direct attacker in effect. So think of Tri Brigade, or I'm sorry, a Lyralisk Assembled Nightingale. She can attack your opponent directly, or Zodiac Borbo. Yeah, however, I've never heard it referred to as Shadow Strike or Shadow Dive. Me either. I just always hear it referred to as a direct attack. Yeah. Next is shiny, which is cards that are printed, reprinted in elaborate high rarity foils like gold or ghost rare. Uh, I mean, it's shiny. I don't know if you don't know what shiny means. That's on you, not us. Um, next is shut, knock, nope, or strike, which is the act of negating, whether temporary or permanently. The last one being a reference to like the popular negation card, some strike. So like, I strike the summon or something like that. Never heard it called shut, shut knock or nope but i've heard it called strike a lot like i strike um, this summon. 
it's because uh, I, I actually remember Nope from back in Dino Rabbit format because people would go Normal Summer Rabbit, Activate Effect, and you'd flip Solemn Judgment and just say Nope. You know what? Actually, now that you say that, I do remember that. Um, smoke screening. So this is in a match, catching the opponent off guard by running a different strategy on the second or third duel. So think about it like this. If I'm running a full goat control deck in goat format, and then I side out all of my main goat control cards and side in a full chaos strategy, which is like actually somewhat viable ish because like you can pull out all your goat control cards and all your like scapegoats and metas and go full on into like add in your BLSs, add in your chaos sorcerers, add in your thunder dragons and things like that and smoke screen into another strategy. Or if you want, you can. Um, I know that I've seen people smoke screen they run like an otk game one and then run burn game two yeah so. uh, yeah uh, you can technically you can smoke screen into in between any two uh any two strategies as long as your strategy is self-contained within 15 cards yeah so um next you have snipe which is the act of choosing and discarding a card from the opponent's hand um this is very rare but think of reason, reason. Uh, smoke grenade of the thief. Yeah, that's a good example. I don't really think that there's a lot of these that are like necessarily. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily entirely accurate because I've always heard of somebody's like sniping the back row with like an MST or something. But that's just me. Yeah, that's probably more. That's probably because the people stop. They don't have very many effects. We just rip a card out of your opponent's hand and then I'll say rip. Yeah. So uh, the next one is solitaire. Uh, the effect and a strategy that has, has either little interaction with the opponent or involves a player taking extremely long terms. So think about Drytron making like, a, you know, a 10 minute long turn on their first turn. That's just them playing solitaire. They're playing by themselves. Next is spawn. The act of summoning the monster, usually tokens or low level monsters. So like uh scapegoat, just like spawn some tokens, I guess. Uh, uh, Aurora, uh, Aurora uh, Link Cross. Yeah, Link Cross. Next is spin, the act of placing a card from the field on top of the deck. So Phoenix think of Phoenix Wing Wind Blast or Ryza the uh, Ryza the Mega Monarch. Monarch. Yeah. Uh, ST, S&T, or, or S slash T. So it's just spell and trap cards. So spell traps. Next is stack, the act of arranging one's own deck with a card effect to ensure they draw a good card. Or you know, making sure your opponent doesn't draw a good card. So stacking is cheating unless it's done by card effect. So like um, there are certain cards and effects like Soul Servant and the Dark Magician strategy lets you stack a card to the top of your deck. Things like that. Oh, yeah. Next, you have Stall, the act of prolonging the game with a card effect. So think about level limit area B and Gravity Bind being stall cards. Next, you have Stand, the act of changing a card to face up attack position. Um, so. I've never heard this referred to like this, but I guess you could just say like anytime you like you flip a monster in a face up battle attack position or or even if you're tilting it. Yeah. Um, staple is a, car, a good card that can be used in many decks. So think of Ash Blossom, Joy Spring, Effect Veiler, Infinite Impermanence, the Solemn Warning, Solemn Judgment, Solemn Strike. These are all like staple cards that are can just be running anything. Next, you have starters. So these are cards that are required to initiate a deck's important combos. So, namely, when I think of starters, I think of things like Tribrigade Fractal, which get your entire combo line going. Next, you have Steel, 
the act of taking your opponent's monster or their car or their card's property for your own. So think of Snatch Steel. I'd say that's like the perfect example. Yeah. Next, you have Stratos, which is a monster that when summoned adds another monster from deck to the hand named after Elemental Hero Stratos. Um, or Madolce Magellan does that. So. Yeah. Um, crash or ramming the act of intentionally yep. attacking, uh, attacking, knowing the attacker will be destroyed. A great example of this, actually back in Goat, is using like Mystic Tomato and crashing it or ramming it into your opponent's monster. Your Mystic right. Tomato is destroyed, you take damage, and you get a free summon of like a, in the case Whatever. of Tomato, a Songin. Right. Next uh, you have Suppress, which is the, which is prevent a card or an effect from activating in a certain timing. So I've never heard it referred to as suppressing, but something that you absolutely could do is uh, activate Alpha Tribute Ben 10, chain DD Crow you'd be suppressing the Ben 10 effect. Bingo. Next, you have Surprise or Spook, a harmful effect that is put into play at certain timing without the opponent foreseeing it. Um, I would just call this like, it's a trap, but you know. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard I've never heard that term. Uh, swarm or Spam, the act of summoning many monsters in return regardless of battle power. So think of bee troopers swarming the field. Um <laughs> Swing for game or attack for games, which is the final game-winning attack. Um, you have tag out, the act of a monster removing itself from the field and replacing itself with a different monster. So Perfect. think of the gladiator beasts. Uh, a more recent example is ABC Dragon Buster tagging himself yeah. out for A, B, and C. That's perfect, yeah. Uh, next, you have tap or rest, which is changing a card to face-up defense position. This is a magic term. Um, next, you have tech. A card placed in a main deck, side deck, or extra deck for the purpose of supporting a deck with cards that help it run smoother, deal with cards that would counter the deck, or to combat specific deck builds often run in the current metagame. So a, a good example is in my Sword Soul deck. I am teching in one Monster Reborn. And I know that sounds crazy, but the reason you do it is because when your opponent activates Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer, destroying your card, you can activate Monster Reborn, Summon their Destroyer Phoenix Enforcer. You get a pop on their turn, and you also get you. They cannot get their uh their Destiny Hero Celestials effect off because they have to summon one of their Destiny Hero monsters from their graveyard. So, uh, oh yeah, no uh, another Monster Born would be a tech card there. Uh, another great example is in my uh bird in my uh, Littlest Tribe again, my extra in my side deck. I'm actually running a uh, dark smorg because I it's a tech because I can bring it out with the smorg link, and then it all it, like exactly it gives me more back row protection and hate. Right, so these are cards that we're just kind of teching in into our decks. Um, next, you have tier zero. So this is a deck that can only be reliably beaten by itself. When I think of tier zero decks, I think of uh, goat. I think of uh dark Teledad, yeah Teled yep teledad um you could say that uh pepe was tier zero spiral was tier zero zodiac was tier zero i mean zodiac at one point had a 100 percent representation rate at in top cut of a ycs so uh that's tier zero they're just overwhelming representation i think if you want to put a number on it it's like at least 65 percent representation qualifies as tier zero something like that um next you have throw which is the effect the act of placing a card in your opponent's field in order to hinder them, like Lava Golem, Kaijus, or Nibiru, things or like Contact that. Or Contact C. Contact C yeah. is, a, is a one that isn't referenced. Yeah. 
Uh, I've never heard throw, but I've heard getting kaijued or nibirued or lava golemed, etc. Um, trample or penetrate, the act of inflicting piercing battle damage. So we have a term for this in Yu-Gi-Oh! now. It's called piercing, but back in the day, there was no piercing term. So people would say trample because that's what magic calls it. And then piercing became commonplace. And it, so commonplace, in fact, that they actually started just saying inflict piercing battle damage. So... Next, you have top deck, which is the top card of the deck or the act of placing a card on top of the deck. So, uh, for example, if you're in a top deck war, you and your opponent each have zero cards, hand and field, and you're just top decking to try to figure out who can win the duel based off the cards off the top of the deck. So, oh, wow, that's the next one is top decking, yep. too. Um, the next one after that is towers. So this is a reference to Apocryphal Fort Towers, which is a monster that's unaffected by card effects. So it has to be. All card effects, not yes. just, you know, not just it's unaffected by monster effects, unaffected by spells, unaffected by, uh, it has to be unaffected by card effects, period. Yeah. Next you have toolbox, which is searching for a monster to be used in a certain specific situation. Also, when I think of a deck that is very toolboxy, I think of the old school, um, uh, what do you call it? The old school wind up deck when it wasn't hand looping, it was very toolboxy because it had an entire extra deck of rank threes, fours, and fives that I could kind of get into as it needed. So it was very um, toolbox. And then, of course, there's also the classic warrior toolbox. Right. Where um, I also um, think that Tri Brigade is very toolboxy because of the versatility that you have in your extra deck. Oh, the extra deck is solved, but like it's still toolboxy because you have so oh, yeah. many different ways play into difference um oh yeah next you have turtling which is sitting behind a like defense position monster to buy time this is i've never heard it called turtling before i've always heard it called walling up but i guess we're gonna get yeah. there um next is a vanilla which is a normal or non-effect monster so think of sabersaurus think of cabozals think of uh a modern day iteration that's being uh, used a lot is monk of the tenyi those are all vanilla uh, next, right. you have a wall. This is the last one. This is a card that's difficult to destroy by battle. So think of Labyrinth Wall. It's 3,000 defense, zero attack. Um, it's nothing else but old, a wall. Yeah, the old 2K defenders like Mystical Elf and Giant Soldier of Stone back in the day. Right, right, right. Defenders you just set. Uh, and also Spirit Reaper is a wall because it can't be destroyed by battle. Right, exactly. Marshmallow, same thing. Exactly. All right, and that's Ooh. it all the ones that were like actually on the list the only uh, the three that we have that were not because we finally got to this uh first one is hard ones return that's any effect that specifically states that you can only activate the effect of insert name of card here once per turn right so tri brigade fractal you can only activate each effect of tri brigade fractal once per turn so because it specifies the name of the card you can only use that one that effect of any tri brigade fractal once per turn which makes it a hard once per turn yes, so because even if you have a second completely unrelated copy of fractal if you already activate that first one you cannot activate the second one right as compared to a soft once per turn that's an effect that states that this effect can only be used once per turn a great example of that is actually uh Lyralisk recital starling because once per turn detach one search for level one winged beast right the difference so because it just says once per turn on the card that means it's once per turn for that copy of that card. Exactly. So then whenever I make a second recital Starling, since it's a different copy, I can do it again. Right. So also, let's say my opponent uh, 
compulses my recital starling badge to the deck and i remake it that same one again i can still get the effect off because it's a, a different iteration of recital starling right so um when i think of a soft once per turn i think of a card like um toy vendor in the fluffle deck very soft once per turn it just says once per turn on the card but yeah. uh, I mean, that's just once per turn per copy and yeah. Every time it goes to the field or goes to the grave, it's a different copy of that card. So you can just keep yep. using it over and over. Uh, another great example of that is actually um, Madolce Queen Tiara Masu. Her detach to uh, to target two monsters in your graveyard, send back to the deck, then shuffle two of your opponent's cards back to the deck, is also soft ones per turn. Which is why if you're, which is why if a Madolce is able to make multiples of them, they'll just tear your whole board, your whole board of stuff that can't be targeted apart. Right. Um, yeah. a hard once per turn very generally it'll say you can only use this effect of this monster and it'll say the monster name once per turn or this card once per turn a great example of that recently is uh, Red Eyes Darnest Metal Dragon who used to be a soft once per turn but then mm -hmm. they errated him so they changed his text to where he is a hard once per turn by just adding the text you can only use this effect of Red Eyes Darnest Metal Dragon once per turn. Right, right. And adding that hard once per turn makes an, all the difference in the world for some cards. Especially something like Red MD in a deck that can just remove him from the field and then put him back on the field to get his effect off a second time back when he was a soft once per turn. Yeah. Um, the only other card, the only other thing that we have here that we want to like kind of define is having an out. So this is something I noticed that wasn't on there. So having the out would be um, a good example would be your opponent has their end board is an Appaloosa, both goddess. Okay, well, in my standby phase, I activate infinite impermanence. Um, there's nothing they can do about it. I just I have the out. Yes. You know? um, the, I think if you wanted to get more a more technical definition, it would be um, any card that prevents your opponents um your opponents like created board from stopping you right uh something um, else could be dark ruler no more that's an out yeah that's an out of an entire board uh the kaijus are also another example yeah for sure um and then some people also say i i'm i'm trying to figure out how to out this one card it's them looking for the they don't have the out, so they're trying to find it. Right. So uh, instead of to a whole board to a specific card. Yeah. I think that's about it. I think that's all we got. Oh yeah. Um, if anyone else comes up with any with uh, if anyone else can think of anything else that they want that you know they don't know the definition of, you can either if you're in our Discord, you can uh, just ask, and I'm nine nine percent sure somebody will be kind enough to just explain what it is. Uh, same thing on Twitter. And then, of course, it's always the almighty Google, which knows everything. Yes. Um, we do want to talk a little bit, of course, about the podcast question of the day. So today's podcast question of the day was, or last episode's question was, what is your favorite retro format? Uh, I know we did a similar one, but, you know, it's our show. We can do what we want. Um, so... Uh, my favorite decks to see on YouTube are Dragon Roller and Hat. It's a good one. 
A lot of fantastic ones out there, but October 2016, right after the ABC structure, and November 2012's Abyss Rising format come to mind. Um, top of them all, though, is definitely December 2013, Ravine Ruler. So many cool decks were good, and the, and the Ruler Mirror was intense. So I think Ravine Ruler is when all the Dragon Rulers had been limited, and the yeah. deck was not quite as good, but there was yeah. you know, a lot more diversity in the format. Yeah, I think the rules were limited, and I think at the time the babies were banned. I don't remember if they were banned or limited too. Yeah, um, I absolutely love Edison format. Uh, Goat will always be near and dear. Hat. Uh, so hat is hand artifact trap tricks. That's like the Nationals 2014 format. Um, Edison slaps the t- September 2013 FNL list. Uh, hat format again. Edison again. Uh, go format or March 2013. Uh, I hear a lot of people say that that tw- that they like that 2013 format, the fire water format, as a lot of people like to call it, where it was uh, mainly like Mermail versus Fire Fist competing at the top. I've heard a lot of great things about that format. I have fond memories of that of that format because that was the format I was running Fire Kings. That was the format that we went to YCS Austin. Yeah, Gear Geo was also a thing during that format. Oh, yeah. Um, next we have, let's see, uh, Dragon Ruler format, hat format, um, Edison, more Edison, more Edison. Uh, here's an interesting one. Favorite retro format is Cold Wave Gladiator Beast format. That is interesting. I think that's an interesting one. It really is. So. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. The new podcast question of the day is, what is your New Year's resolution? Mine is to make the podcast the best that it can be. Uh, I want to top an event. I think that would be really cool. Um, But other than those, I don't have anything else. What do you got? Uh, that that's about what I got too, actually. Uh, maybe lose a couple of pounds. Yep, I feel that. Yeah, uh, that's about all I got. <laughs> all right, well, that'll do it for today's episode of the podcast. Now, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Top Cut Podcast. You can find me at Dat Chumley. You can find Caleb at Jam the Man Seventeen. And of course, you can always find us in our Discord server, which the link is in the link tree down in the description below. Also, I want—I did want to point out, um, it was suggested to us by both a patron and one or two other non-patrons to start an Amazon wish list for the podcast. So we went ahead and we did that. We put some stuff on there. We put some cheaper stuff on there. We put some more expensive stuff on there. Um, this is not asking for us, for anybody to give us free stuff, although... <laughs> We don't turn it down, but um, realistically, it was requested by listeners. So why, you know, I mean, why not do it? You know? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt us to have it in any way. Right. So uh, if you are interested in, you know, uh, giving us a little holiday gift, uh, you can find that also in our link tree. So uh, check out our Patreon, check out our Amazon, check out our Discord and our uh, Twitter accounts. So thank you all so much for your support and have a good day. Take care, everybody.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.